Welcome to the 150th edition of the Guna Podcast. This is your host Kevin Witcher and we are recording during another international break. The Wednesday evening, three days after the North London derby. Arsenal lie third in the table behind Liverpool and Chelsea. And as usual, we begin by introducing the panel. And as you are familiar with all three of them, I'm going to do something a bit different this month and read a tweet from each. Relevant to recent oh events. God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Which he has not told us about. <laughs> Let's... That's all right. Uh, I should just ooh. do a Donald Trump and say I never said it. Perfectly yeah. reasonable. Let's start with this one. First up, a man who is not exactly a prolific tweeter. So we went back to August the 25th for this one. Oh, God. I was selling something, I think. Which states, Bengals like Dad and your wedding present. You asked for a Rolex three months before but he gets you a Casio from Argos the night before. <laughs> With those wise words, it's time to say hello to Mr. David Udo. Evening all. A little more topical, this one, from the early hours of this morning. It reads, US election, getting a bit scary. Thinking of hiding behind the sofa like I did when I was five, watching Doctor Who. Good evening to that particular tweeter, <laughs> Mr. Mustafa Goldstein. Hello. And on the same subject, last weekend he tweeted, Hope all American Arsenal fans are not going to vote for a man who, if president, might stop some of our players, brackets Ozil Mustafi, entering the United States. <laughs> we all know what happened next, but let's hope we can take, off, take his mind off events stateside with a warm welcome back to the returning Arsenal Supporters Trust board member, Mr. Tim Payton. Hello there. Right, gentlemen, um, let's uh, move on from the American election, which we've been talking about for the last half hour. I voted Danny Carvassian. <coughs> and talk about the North London derby. Before we do that, can I just... One last tweet you should have got hold of, but you'd probably gone to bed, was US election. The world needs Trump to do a Tottenham Hotspurs and lose to a 10-man relegated Newcastle at the last post. And that, he didn't. And he didn't. And that was, that was 16 hours ago, whatever time that was, probably about four in the morning. There are still eight weeks before he becomes president. Yes. Is it that long? A lot can happen in January. Oh, oh that, that one of those. Oh, so he won't be president by Christmas. He's president-elect until January 24th. Is it that long? I thought it was a week or two. My memories, I've had a few, but... Um, Watch out for those secret service men. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. So moving on from Clinton... The Newcastle equivalent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Clinton against Trump, but what about Arsenal versus Spurs? What did the North London derby tell us about Arsenal? Don't, if we play against 3 4 1 2, we ain't scoring. Whoever wants to start, I don't mind. Oh, sorry, if it was a free throw. <laughs> well, it, continue, it continued a pattern, which is uh, Arsenal's struggle with the bigger games. So far this season, Arsenal have played five strong teams and managed one win against Chelsea. Couldn't beat PSG, couldn't beat Liverpool, couldn't beat Leicester, couldn't beat Spurs. And Middlesbrough. And, uh, uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> throw that one in. And, uh, you know, we're going to find out, obviously, the fixture list. That moves around, and we know we've got a tough November. But were we getting a little bit over optimistic on a run of fixtures? Which, if you look at all the games that we won, well, we should have done. Mm. Not to say it's not good to win them, and when lots of games come, you should keep winning them. But I think the jury is still out on the Arsenal mentality in the big games. 
Okay. I agree. I, I think that the the problem we've got is uh, we, you know, with a, Tottenham scored an own goal, and what a cracker it was! Uh, and then the high heels came on again. Apparently, you know, it's like they they we we do not know, with the exception of Chelsea, how to put a game to bed. We needed to come out in the second half and get that second goal. I knew if we didn't get the second goal, Tottenham were going to come back, you know, because um, they looked pretty reasonable. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and it was a pretty, I thought Pochettino's tactics were, I hate to say the words admirable in the same words as a Tottenham manager, but um, I was impressed with the way he turned up with this three at the back formation and suddenly and Arsenal did not know how to cope with it. And um, Plan B was left until much too late. You know, Giroud. Uh, there were a few times where I thought, oh, if that was Giroud, that might be in the back of the net. Who was it? Who came stealing Shaka? I think it was who came stealing he, he, he forward with a header. Contact, yeah. Didn't make contact, <laughs> and then later, you know, the balls were coming across, and it was that we were trying to play through them. That wasn't happening. You know, it just wasn't happening. And, and they were sort of hitting us on the break, weren't they? And didn't look the lesser team. And we weren't making them look the lesser team. Okay. And every Tottenham fan I talked to before the game was convinced we were going to win 6-0. Um, uh, so we well, didn't live up to it. I think we kind of swapped hats in fairness, because that, that was how I felt going into the White Hart Lane game last season. But I mean, whether we like it or not, I think Spurs are a very good side. And it was nowhere near their first team on, on Sunday. Came back for his first game in weeks, and I don't, I don't think they wanted to bring on um, Jansen for him after 65 uh, because the guy ran around a lot but isn't very good at football. Mm. And whether we like it or not, Kane, the Arsenal fan, is a very good centre forward. Ali pulled out with the last minute. Is Kane an Arsenal fan? Yeah, you must know this. I didn't know that. It's been all over social media. He was pictured as a child at one of the Arsenal parades. It was social uh, media. Was like kind of verified. Uh, well, he I had an Arsenal top on. Did he? Mm. Yeah. Oh, all right, fair play. Um, but look, he, he was only 85% fit, if you're lucky. There was no alley. Um, didn't have Alderweireld, who is the best centre-half in the division. Uh, and they still withheld us quite nicely, with an out-of-position Dyer um, playing in their, in their back three. They're a good side. Uh, and they withheld us quite well, as teams do, uh, we know now, with a 3-4-1-2 if we're playing our 4-2-4 with Sanchez as the number nine. With him getting injured, we now have to play Olive there instead, bless her. But, I mean, but give Ingrid's due, he wanted the game. I think this is the first time in, in living memory when we weren't losing, where he made all three substitutions before 65 minutes. Uh, and they were attacking substitutions, and there was just no way through. So... Mm -hmm. Maybe we did the game the wrong way round. Uh, maybe we should have done it the way we did against Man United at home last year and Chelsea this year. Throw everything at them in the opening 40 to have it done by half-time. But mm. we did it in reverse. And, well, we saw that, uh, that Spurs were happy with the point after about 65, 70. You know, we're trying to waste time the best they can. Well, I, was, I wasn't ruling it. There was a point where the Tottenham fan I was watching it with said, would you settle for a draw? And I didn't know how to answer I did say no, I want to win it, but part of me was settling for the draw because I spoke when they hit the post. It's always do. Losing is worse than winning. Yeah, the fear yeah. Of losing yeah. is worse than the fun of winning. Yeah, in that one, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm going to just throw this in after that conversation. Um, I'm going to ask you to tell me which of the two teams are going to finish higher in the league at the end of this season: Tottenham or Arsenal? Arsenal. If Spurs go out of Europe fully in the next couple of games, they will finish higher. The impact of playing European football on the league, which also is a big issue with our other competitors, will come through. So I think that the team that goes further in Europe will finish behind the other. 
But Tottenham could be in Europa League. They could well do, and then I think that, that I would then say that Arsenal will mm. will will finish. No, I beg higher. to differ. I I will. Um, Arsenal Football Club. Will three words. Right. Thank you, Basti. <laughs> um, did we notice that the atmosphere was? I mean, I thought the atmosphere was pretty good on uh, on Sunday. You know, for a twelve o'clock kickoff, I thought the crowd actually made more noise than I expected yeah, for a derby you can't have that at a derby then we've yeah. had quieter derbies well have we yeah I think last couple of years but bringing well, on, on that subject would it have been a different game if it was a three o'clock kickoff? well this is a we don't, we're does not it very affect good just derby. Arsenal or well, does it affect everybody it's the same Arsenal for both seems, teams yeah. well they say so but uh, I, maybe uh, it just seems to me that we do not Ever seem to get a result when it's an early kickoff? But that's because rarely. we play good teams in early kickoffs because it's a television. <laughs> yeah. So is, is it the kickoff time? Yeah, or is it we're a good team, we're, aren't we? So they play us, and we're, we're not a, a particularly good team when we play other good teams at twelve o'clock. <laughs> well, whenever time. we play, any time. Whenever no, we play, it's just that you, you you know you don't play the cannon fodder at twelve o'clock very well, often or twelve forty-five. You say that, but look, in the, the last two seasons we've beaten City away. We've got we've, we've got beaten Chelsea over at last. You look at our record against the the main competition over the last five years, and yeah. it's very poor. Yeah. The last year or two, we have definitely improved, and it's at about fifty-fifty. But it's still not at a level that you want to be. No. To, to, to really win and it is just something about the mentality I also think there's something about the way the team is set up still not playing Sanchez in the centre forward position I think there's a little bit of the flat track bully in it yeah. and I think the system we've got yeah. is to a certain extent the pace we've got works against the poorer defensive teams what we've seen now we've actually seen it against mm. you know against Burnley against Middlesbrough against others is the teams can squeeze us out yeah, but yeah, all yeah. but squeeze that system out um, and it's going to be, you know, maybe maybe we won't have Sanchez in the next few weeks. We wait on the injury news, but I do think that the system has already caught up with us. Yeah. Now how did we manage to beat Chelsea on that basis? I think Chelsea had a poor side out, not great fullbacks at all. Uh, they were playing four four two for a start. I think they only went three four one two after us having them in the first half. To be frank, um, yeah, the team in transition. Changing from and we just came out and went at yeah, it. We, yeah, had, you got the we had a good day at the office, you know, and it, it all went, it went for us. As I mentioned I earlier, if we went at Spurs, you know, with, with them having the last minute pull out of alley, and then experimenting essentially with three four one two, albeit being encouraged by a very very good manager called Pochettino, who Wenger's never beaten in a league game. Mm. Um, yeah, if we went for it, it would be a different game. But well, I, don't, I don't remember when we we played Liverpool uh, when Brenda was in charge there and they were falling up at half time I mean the second half they were completely knackered and then they put 14 behind the ball and we only got the one goal back I mean Wenger's worry would have been a very good Spurs team would have held us off well um, this is the thing unfortunately we, we are at home as well and away I mean the Ludogretz result where you know Ozil's wonder goal brilliant but again it was like you know last minute <coughs> Swansea at home Again, you know, mm. we got the results, but and you know, and then drawing with Middlesbrough, you know, uh, we're not as convincing as, I, you know, it's funny. I think oh, we're having a really good season. But if I look at it, we we ride our luck as well. Mm. But um, isn't everyone? Yeah, isn't everyone yeah. dropping cheap points? Well, uh, yeah. And yeah. is it is it going to be a similar kind of season to last season in respect that no one's going to run away with it? 
It's top at the moment. It's there's two points between. Is it five or six teams? And there's actually less points being dropped than last year. Is that if, right? Yeah. If you were, you've got. Well, you've, you've, although they've dropped a few of the draws, but you've got three teams that have only lost once now, with what ten games played, and mm. one hasn't lost at all. You have got they're taking draws off each other. But and was it you? I know you were there, like me. I think at the AGM, then predicted a eighty-six point eighty-two to eighty-two, 86. eighty-two to eighty-six, which is higher than last year, and it does look to be on that at the moment. Here's a little question: Do we want that team who hasn't lost? this season to be beaten by Chelsea who they're playing next week or the week after and or would we prefer it to be some lesser team obviously we would but given that they, they I'd take don't a want draw. them having I'd take a, a draw I'd take a draw take a draw I mean, and, what, and they're still unbeaten yeah yeah I'll take a draw I mean look at Spurs a team who got a last minute equaliser uh, against us at home when, when Jens decided to have a cuddle at a corner and that got them a draw at home and they started celebrating like they'd won the Eurovision Song Contest the Ashes the general election the FA Cup in one fell swoop yeah. without realising we just won the league at their ground yeah. if they if they go the entire league unbeaten but draw 22 games and they release 20, well 38 DVDs to celebrate bless them yeah. keep them undefeated on their draws go for it yeah. <laughs> ok uh, just a personal uh, opinion here if the game is not going to be a three o'clock Saturday afternoon kickoff, what is your preferred time to watch a Premier League Arsenal match? Hmm. Stunned silence. Seven forty-five on a Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Let's take over the spread of the weekend. Uh, eight o'clock. Oh, can I have eight? I'm taking out the weekday games. I like Tuesday it's later I prefer later kickoffs. So, so 5.30 5.30 on the Saturday Or the 4 o'clock on the Sunday yeah, four on the yeah. Just think you, you need time to wake up yeah. The day to get going And the 12 o'clocks are yeah. Well, especially our players because they're probably sitting in jacuzzis and getting, you know, pedicures. But if you think about it, when you do, you know, you've got to get all that done before you I go. I don't in think, though, no, that it necessarily affects that much the atmosphere in the game, or at least you need a good game to overcome it. Wasn't the win at home against Leicester last year at twelve o'clock? Can't remember. It was a Sunday. Yeah, I think it was a Sunday one thirty. Yeah. It was oh, was it a little bit later? I remember being early-ish. Yeah. But the atmosphere—it was an amazing game of football—and the atmosphere totally rocked. Didn't yeah. it? it was definitely an early Sunday kickoff if it wasn't as early as as twelve. Yeah. Okay. Um, obviously, the news has come from Chile. Uh, Alexis has uh, torn a calf muscle. Um, do we think uh, that Giroud is going to simply? Come back in the starting lineup as a central striker, and uh, well, what else is going to happen? Of course, he is. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, this is it. I mean, you, it's not going to put Theo there, is he? Anyway? Well, you say that if we're going to carry on with essentially what is now a four-two-four, uh, with Ozil sitting just behind the false number nine, uh, and Ramsey back to fitness, I wouldn't be surprised if Walcott is played at the front of the attacking four with Ramsey on the right rather than us reverting to what is plan B the next summer leaving centre forward Giroud coming back in and us relying on, on crosses I would not be surprised at all if we start with Walcott mm, okay. I mean obviously Perez is injured so he's out of here. oh is he? I thought he was going to play Perez and McGoldrick <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no well I mean I, I, would I, you play Giroud? would you start Giroud? I, I think so yes because I, I mean you could always yeah have I mean, well, it's him or Wally Walcott, really, isn't it? Um, Walcott has shown some form, and whether he can keep that form. I mean, when he hit the post against Tottenham, 
Yeah, that one had gone in. I mean, Walcott's the, you know, the great again. But um, the problem with Walcott is can he maintain form and, or will it just sort of wither away? It's a balancing act, isn't it? But we're stuck again with this kind of, Without Cazorla, without Welbeck, without, you know, our option and without, without Sanchez now, the, suddenly that really strong squad is looking a bit flimsy again. I've got to say, Giroud has impressed me as he's come back, not against Tottenham, but the other games. Uh, I really like the way he tackled back for Ludogrets uh, uh, to get Özil's goal. I, I think he tackled, he ran back from the, you know, uh, uh, while their midfielder was dawdling and won the ball for El Neni to quickly chip it over to to Özil for that great goal. And I thought um, that showed. I think because he's he's fighting for a place, so he's yes. he's working. If you start with him, different ball game maybe. You know, mm. maybe he'll start. I, I think he's a cultured player, and I think he plays for the team, and I think he's got he's got you know he holds the ball up well. He can put in a good pass. He can over flick sometimes and do the flicky flicky thing, but uh, sometimes it comes off. You know, yeah. um, we, we wait and watch. Yeah, um, he could he could he could probably get injured on international duty himself. Who's to say? Um, now we have a, a tweet sent in from regular contributor Simon Rose. And, you know, while we're talking about uh, formations and things. Uh, he says Chelsea are making three four three the new formation du jour. <laughs> Do Arsenal have the players to use it too? Um, so, who would we play if we're going to play three at the back? Do you think? I mean, obviously we'd play presumably Koscielny, Mustafi. Who would be the third? Merzosaka is a proper old-fashioned sweeper. Matthias Sanner's style, right. just right. rigid on the penalty spot because the guy can't run anywhere else. Mm. Okay. Well, Mustafa was br- he was run ragged by uh, who was it? Son, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, well, that's uh, the advantage of having a three in that you know you've got an extra player there to cover mm. that kind of weakness. Mm. Who it is is the question. Mm. Or maybe we just won't it won't go there. But normally. If a formation takes off, in the end, everyone tends to follow it. Mm. That's what happened with a single striker, really, isn't 20 it? 20 years of picking teams first. Has it, it's never, he's never done it, has he? I'm trying to think. No. He's never had three at the back. Well, he started his first season, when he arrived, we mm. were playing three at the back. And he let them do it for the rest of the season. And then, in the summer of 97, he said, OK, did it your way, we finished third, and now we'll do it my way. And we had the four four two, so um, he, he did. He, he had it, but he didn't want it. God, now I'm expecting Seabinger in Shoreditch with you know a, a man's bun coming out of him, and you know Curly Simon. <laughs> well, um, just like Bellerin's injured, isn't he now as well? Is, is ru- rumours. Rumour? Is that he's, just a rumour? He's been withdrawn from the Spanish squad, but it's well, Bellerin would play. He also didn't play. He didn't go to Ludogorets because he was injured. So there's, all, there's probably some kind of niggle there. Bellerin would play as the right-sided yes. midfield stroke. I'm defender and actually it would fit Gibbs playing more than Monreal wouldn't it yes that, that, that system yes. But, and, and I think Monreal has had a dip this year mm. That's de- definitely Arsenal's vulnerability comes down the Iwobi Monreal side and mm. you can see that going on so there'd be more logic in the change mm. I just can't see who in the squad you know maybe Mertesacker gets away with it because you don't need the pace mm. as much the idea of, of putting Gabriel well, could Monreal into... be one of the three? 
He's a smart player. You've got yeah. to well, having said that, I mean, Koscielny uh, playing against Mertesacker in the 4 4 2. Koscielny was always the left hand side um, centre half, so he's used to it now. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So yeah. him there, um, Mustafi on the right, or you have Mustafi in the centre with Rob holding on the right, or Gabriel if dreams can come true. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, or maybe, yeah, maybe that'd be the formation to suit Callum Chambers when he comes back. Who knows? Um, well, he's away. Well, that's a long term. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't play Gabriel against Chelsea again. Mm-hmm. Well. <sighs> All right. Well, I'm going to throw this in because I thought about it when I read Simon's question. Do the panel recall a particularly significant match in Arsenal's history when they did play a back three? Well, technically, 1989 at Anfield. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> we played. Uh, Steve Bold number ten. Indeed. Um, Bold Adams and O'Leary. I think he took Bold off for um, Merson or Grove. I think Merson. No, Merson was number. No, Merson was number eleven, wasn't he? Right. Okay. So he, he took Bold off, I think, and left O'Leary on. Uh, but yes, so that was one God, time when it worked for us. Uh, obviously, trying to uh, shut up shop to make sure Liverpool weren't scoring early on. Okay, um, let's have a look now. Um, I'm going to move on to uh, well, we're vaguely still in the area of current uh, matches and Spurs last weekend. Uh, I know that Spurs have had trouble adapting to Wembley. Next season, they will be playing every single home game there. Do you anticipate they might struggle? Hopefully, yes. <laughs> um, we, we didn't do well when we had those well, Euro yes. games there, did we? Yeah. I remember, was it Standardly Ostend or someone Standardly Ace? Someone, who was it we played? Some we played IOK Solner, Panathinaikos, Fiorentina. First season. Yeah, oh. and none of them were good, I don't seem to remember. I think we beat Panathinaikos. I, I think we beat Solner. one of them. No, we, we, we lost. Lons is where it went wrong. And then it was Dynamo, Kiev, Barcelona and Fiorentina the season after. Mm. And we didn't get out of the group either season. So we Well, long may well. Tottenham's... Well, hopefully, yeah. I mean, you know, it it seemed to do all right when they played... Uh, did they actually... Did they, did they fail to sell out their last game? It was sold out. It was the biggest... No, they made such a thing of it, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they said it was the biggest ever. premiership... Well, I know the first, the first game they sold out against Monaco. I think they went, they went higher. They went higher for the second game. Right. Because okay. they went on about all the records they were breaking. It's yeah. not so much selling out. I mean, based on my Facebook feed, the amount of people I know who aren't Spurs fans who went there in free media seats... Seriously, dozens of them. Really? Absolutely dozens. So basically the club were giving away a lot of Absolutely, tickets. I can guarantee that, unless my friend Wayne Davison, the Leeds United season ticket holder... <laughs> has have a bit of outing. Absolutely. You know. <laughs> well, it's a huge capacity. Of course. Isn't it? It's 90, or exactly. 88 to 90 when, exactly. when, when, when full. Yeah, I mean, if, you've got, if, you've, if you're going to sell, I don't know, 60 or 70,000, and you think, well, do we want an extra 10,000 there to really, you know... Make an atmosphere of it in a Champions League game, then why, why I'm not? I'm assuming they don't get a cut of the food sales or anything like that. It's all tied in with the deal. I don't know wh- where it's at. They've actually priced it very competitively because what they're doing is trying to grow their membership database so that they've got people to sell to in the new ground. So it's, it's been a kind of way of deliberately expanding the fan base and trying to contact them. Back to your first question, it must have an impact. Whether or not playing there several times in Europe this year will probably help a little bit next year, 
But yeah, particularly when you play, you know, you know, White Hart Lane is a tight ground, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. a fairly noisy tight ground, and it must be worth over a season a few points at, at the very least. Well, it's so a leveller. I would have thought it's a leveller, and it's yeah. also a sort of game. Really, it's a it? source of inspiration to the away team. Whether that will work quite as much for Premier League teams going away for a game at Wembley as. European teams feeling that they're coming to you know the most famous stadium brand name perhaps alongside the Maracanã in world football and it lifting the game you know you ask cricketers England cricketers about having to play the overseas team at Lords and you know raising the game because they're playing at the citadel of the sport I think it will cost Spurs next year yeah I mean look at West Ham this year I mean they're very very good side last year and it's not as though they're like us in the sense that teams go into games thinking, how can we withhold them? Play a 3 4 1 2, nick a goal on the break. No, they're, they're West Ham. Every game is a game for them. But um, it's the same team who made a couple of good signings, a couple of terrible signings in the summer. But them having to move to the London Stadium, um, fans being miles away from the pitch, which doesn't look like a, a football pitch, it looks like a Colombian soccer pitch. Um, it, it, yeah, it's getting used to a new home, you know, because you've got to find a new space in the dressing room. I mean, they are still human beings, footballers, kind of. Um, but it's, it's getting used to absolutely everything. I'm imagining the away allocation will be quite significant. Well, it'll be three thousand. It will be three thousand. They won't. They won't. Uh, I would expect so because that's the rule book. You don't have to. Whatever your, it's ten percent up to. Oh, so three thousand is a limit. It's a cap. Yeah, we only give three thousand. Right. We got sixty thousand stadium. You still have to give three thousand if you're at Saints. I think it's partly just to keep the policing logistics mm. and, and everything. Possibly they'll make it bigger than that, but I would expect they'll stick to three thousand to make the policing manager work. Well, there's mentioning policing. I mean, obviously West Ham have had a lot of problems with. There's something about because the new Olympic stadium, and it might be the same with Wembley, that when you get two London clubs together, or two sort of tasty firms, if you like, and it's, it's not like Tottenham haven't got a few sort of nasty vagabonds, and no, it's not it's Chelsea or West Ham. No, or not clearly, but I think the problem that West Ham are having is that's an athletic stadium. It wasn't built for football, no, yeah. and so it didn't have within it, it didn't have any infrastructure, all staff, all stewards with experience of football crowds, which Wembley does have all the time, cup finals, playoff finals, internationals, and actually what they're struggling with at West Ham is dealing with football culture in a stadium where they're like, oh, we didn't have any police here before. Well, you had 60,000 kids and families watching Usain Bolt run up and down. (laughs) You know, you had different different pressures on you. And I expect in a year's time, West Ham will have that sorted because they'll have worked everything out, kind of gone through learning, you know. Apparently, also, I do think that some (laughs) of the media coverage of that game, I mean, clearly it wasn't good what was going on, but do you think Chelsea going to the old um, Upton Park for a midweek cup game with 6,000 would have passed off like a tea party? (laughs) Of course it wouldn't. (laughs) It's been mentioned to me that because. you know, in sold in advance as season tickets, some of the uh, seats are very cheap. But it's actually encouraged uh, the more yobbish element to be able to afford to go. <laughs> whether or not there's any truth in that. Well, what they do have a problem is, I think they sold 10,000 of the kids' scene g- tickets because they sold them at £99 right. at West Ham. Mm-hmm. So they got an awful lot. But that's added to the, the standing sitting 
debate right. and people being mixed in all over, kids can't see. All, all, all over the place. But they've got no, they didn't separate it out at all. Mm-hmm. So you've in effect got the old blokes from the, the North Bank uh, Upton Park who stood for years mm-hmm. being told to sit down because they've got kids who've mm-hmm. been bought tickets for £100 for the city. There was £100 for kids season ticket yeah, this year yeah. I think the adult was 299 wasn't it well, there, mm-hmm. was certainly there was some very good value tickets yeah. available there there were some seats as well where like you say where the, the pitch is somewhere over there yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the seats where the seats hadn't actually been put in it's the upper tier because yeah, the upper tier is exactly the same format as when it's an athletic stadium hmm. yeah. uh, and then in effect they've put in new seats that are like stretched nearer to the pitch and then you've got a gap between the two you've got to be bizarre <laughs> open spaces that they filled with tarpaulin or people stand around in it's I've been to it quite a few times in in athletic and actually well in rugby mode so in football mode and people will be surprised when they go there it, it's not a football stadium no hmm. okay we're there quite soon yes so indeed it's uh, not far away the tickets have already gone on sale and I'm pretty sure they've sold out um, right okay let's um, move on to Hector Bellerin who we we're not sure if he's fit or not, but uh, he's certainly he's richer. <laughs> <laughs> he's on the verge of agreeing a new deal. I don't know if it's actually been agreed. Um, let's assume it does go through. If it hasn't, does this reflect the new financial muscle of the Premier League, or does Hector simply love being at Arsenal? Because I'm damn sure Barcelona would have tapped him up, surely. I think he's pretty comfortable at Arsenal. I think he. So it's interesting. Yeah. Are Barcelona currently banned from bringing players in, or did that ban expire last summer? I think it's just expired. Okay. I think it was two windows. Oh yeah, because Arda Tilgram, the Turkish guy, came. Uh, he signed for him, but uh, anyway, ignore me. Anyway, sorry. It's Real Madrid now, and yeah, Atletico. That was it. Anyway. I think. I think with, with you know Mustafi and Shaka being bought, I think, and there's you know quite a decent squad for the first time really, yes. that we've had for a long time. Uh, and a player like Bellerin will think, well, you know what, we've got a shot here, and it's you know, he's young enough, and I think he's learning his trade, and Arsenal is a good place to do that. Um, he's got plenty of time to go, if it doesn't work out, to sod off to Barcelona, or whoever will have it, you know, what, what, what players do, considering an upgrade from Arsenal. But maybe, just maybe... We could get it together to win something this year or next year and a season, and uh, maybe the prospects are good. I mean, he's playing with good play. You know, you've got, if you've got the likes of Sanchez and Özil uh, to play with, and you've got uh, the back four seemingly good. Check now has really added a bit of a bit of solidity. I think uh, Ospina's not a bad keeper either. I I think we've got a decent squad. Uh, Bellerin's yeah, probably I... thinking, you know what, I'm happy here. I think I think he you know I think we all win I think he wins and and we win he will play for Barcelona he will play for Barcelona mm. remember he was on a long term contract anyway oh, right. so so is it so we had the we could have kept him for two and a half so more we, years we've upped his so money. it's not like so what we can't yeah and I it's it's a classic trade off actually I think this will keep him for one or two years longer than we probably would have managed how old is Messi now. <laughs> 29? 29. Oh. So we could, when Les, Messi's on his last legs, could we do a lot of part don't exchange? Forget, the, money, the money that he's moved on to with us is, 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 is big well, money. Barcelona yeah. will pay superstar wages to a few yeah. players. They're probably not going to pay I'm superstar sure. wages for a right back. They wouldn't have paid the money we've put him on now for a 20 year old right back. He's done 
incredibly well, and he deserves. He's a really, really good player. Mm -hmm. What well, you know, there will. The interesting thing is, is there a is there a buyout element in this clause? You know, or uh, is he working on the fact that Barcelona will have to pay big? I would expect that there's some kind of provision for Barcelona bid at some time. Um, but Arsenal have done the right thing. I think they've secured him in the near term. And I think they'll make sure that as and when he does go, and he will go back home at some point, they'll get a bloody good fee for him. So it's well done Arsenal this week for having got him down on that deal. Agreed. It was the easiest thing they were looking at. You yeah. know, the ones we are what, what we really interest are the... Are the Ozil and Sanchez mm. um, contract negotiations where they are in dangerous territory as they're heading into Bosman territory. Yes, they've got 18 months left, haven't yeah. they? Yeah. And we discussed that in last month's podcast and the the uh, sort of agreement was that Ozil more likely to stay. I think much more mm. likely, yeah. Out of the two. Um, anyway, talking of contracts, we've got uh, a tweet from Steve Hawkridge and he asks... When do the panel expect a decision on the manager, renewal or otherwise? Decision made. They've already renewed contracts. They're hiding it as best they can. Oh, that's different, though. So that's that's a contract being offered. Isn't mm. a decision made? Oh, the, the question asked about a decision made. I think, I think do you concur that he has been offered a contract? I don't think that he's been offered you know, like a detailed contract. I think he knows that there is one there if he wants. Mm. I think the reason that there isn't anything is his decision, which is which is being left to very late. Likely, my view is that he's off. Mm. But I think he's made the decision that it's 20 years, that he has this thing about doing the contract period and it comes up. I think he was quite bruised by the last couple of years, finding it more difficult. And, you know, I was at the AGM, you were. I felt it was quite valedictory. Maybe that's because I believe that this is the decision that's been made, including what one or two people around him have told me, they didn't and I hear answer, what I want. They but, didn't answer the question about the renewal but, in the normal way. No, they didn't. And if you go back to Gazidis, actually at last year's end-of-season fan thing, which was also about, don't, don't you worry, Arsenal will let me know in advance and we'll be working on it. Arsene Wenger finished the AGM this year by saying thank you all for your support almost like I won't be seeing you in this environment again mm. and there are other signs that it's just been positioned bigger you know the fact that the club let debate about Eddie Howe run the fact that Ivan Gazidis was out there quite recently saying we're much bigger than Arsene Wenger and life will go on after him that's a change in the script isn't it from the last few years where it's always well, been he's our man I think the club mindset is positioning for it and I, that's why I don't think there's any decision. And I actually think that, you know, Ivan Gazidis is out there working quite hard looking at the marketplace now. If he's had, uh, if thinks he's had a hard time here the last couple of years, wait till he's England manager. Then he'll know what a hard time is. But the good news would be, if he's England manager, we'll get two Arsenals. we get to support Arsenal International and, and England he's has become another Arsenal. He's not going to take that job. No, well, he's probably a bit too clever to do that. Well, he certainly doesn't pay enough for him. That's a <laughs> factor. I don't think he ever has to worry about money no. again. So it? why would he? Why would he take the job? But, well, for a challenge, because for him it doesn't. But once you're a certain amount of rich, I don't suppose it. Unless you're a greedy person, which I don't think he necessarily is. Oh, he knows the value of money. Well, he knows the value <laughs> of he, money, but I, I think once you've got to the point of I mean, what do you think his savings are? Here's a here's a one. Here's a question. What what are I some he's What's got he worth? Ferreted away 
50 million. At least. So, mm. once you've got 50 million quid, right, in cash and assets it's, and it's, little gold bars and whatever it is, right, does it matter if you... It's about worth. Is it? Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah. It's not, it's not, oh, I need more money to survive. It's, it's you know, how much was Fergie getting? What's my worth? Yeah. I'm worth that. He is incredibly conscious. He's of not a, a socialist, of a, is he? Of a, of, <laughs> of a, a very, a very specific type of one. Yeah, a very yeah. specific type of one. I, I, you know, I've Where been on the record. Go? I said this when I was told. That's interesting. He'll be sixty-eight. You know, he'll be sixty-eight. Go back to Japan. Well, he's sixty-eight. I mean, excuse the, 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 the personality, or sorry, the person will be silver. But um, his wife left him two years ago. His only child is, I think, twenty-three now, finishing veterinary science at Oxford. Yeah. And is shacked up with a guy already. Uh, is she that old? I think so. Yeah. Goodness me! Um, I had hair. Des O'Connor was white. It was a different world. So um, his wife. I didn't know his wife. Left yeah, him. she left him two summers ago. Oh. A French divorce. Um, Has he got an, a, a love affair? Well, uh, he's keeping it very quiet. If he does, oh. uh, but with, with all due respect and excuse my frankness, he's my only like, love is football. Oh no! Well, that's <laughs> probably why she left. He's I can't imagine him having much time. I'm mean, imagining he'd come home and just be watching videos no, of football. Actually, it's one of the great myths, oh. <laughs> you know, but, but Arson, oh, Arson's just gone out to watch a German second division game, it turned out to be a bit of a cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you asked yeah, yeah, yeah. Annie all the grounds for the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean, ultimately, he's, he's got nothing else to He's a Frenchman. For. He's a Frenchman. <laughs> it's <laughs> perfectly acceptable over there, you know. Of course, absolutely. <laughs> he's 68 years old, he's got nothing else to do with his time. Uh, unless, I, I think that there could be something behind, well, there could be something behind the England manager's job in the sense it would occupy some of his time and he'll get to see more games and maybe do a bit of punditry here and there but if Gareth Southgate does a good job well he's English and the Sun is still published so there we go I think he might be given uh, a crack at the French national job yeah that's the only one I can see him taking but isn't he quite hated in France I mean he's a pundit on TFR and everyone hates him um no I don't think it's that strong okay I think he could walk after a World Cup. After the World Cup in eighteen, he could walk into that French job. Mm. Yeah, probably. Ah, but seventeen. But like here's the, the main question: is who's going to replace him for us? Well, this is my next question, and it's oh. not a serious one because I've written here: if we could, could pick a manager out of anyone, and it does not matter if they are tied to another job, because this is La La Land territory. Who would you have? as the next Arsenal manager Guardiola okay if you could have anybody yeah I think you'd take Guardiola okay uh, Pochettino mm-hmm. okay interesting very good but yeah. isn't his mother a lady of the <laughs> night <laughs> <laughs> Terry Neal made the switch one way so uh, <laughs> that's, that's the point he came from, from Spurs I, I, I do feel that Arsenal are really going to pay the price of having watched Guardiola and Klopp Yes. be available on the market mm. and not having moved absolutely right uh, yeah Klopp would probably be a second choice not a bad second choice Klopp, I, Klopp is the hipster manager I, I'm wow. crazy I've got the hobby of playing bowls just outside we were like there's crazy something, there's something I don't believe does he really about play Klopp. Bowls? yeah he plays bowls that's his hobby because he's crazy listen he's from he Dortmund does play bowls it's, yeah it's a true story there's an old saying in Germany never trust a Dortmunder or bowler. <laughs> there isn't actually an old saying in German. I just made it up. But I've had a very, very dodgy experiences with Dortmunders in the past, which I won't bother going into right now because it's a long story and we need to move on, Kev. I'm not sure it'd work at Arsenal. 
Klopp, I don't think so. I think he works to a certain extent at a club where you can form that underdog identity a little bit. And, and in some ways work with a smaller budget yeah. and part yeah, of the challenge yeah, is yeah. you bring you everyone you have to be really happy all the time yeah 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 everything is really like passionate and you must go like this yeah 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 fuck off one thing you should forget about Klopp is you know he, he took Borussia Dortmund from, from mid-table um, to uh, actually winning Bundesliga um, ahead of Bayern München but um, God, when he fucked it up he fucked it up in relegation places when he was replaced by um, was it Thomas Tundum um, because yeah, he, he fucks up big style, and I can't wait for him to do that to Liverpool. Yeah, but you know, Klopp always fucks up big style in the end. Gonna win first. It gets so annoying. Sadly, the players find him annoying. <laughs> he's from Newcastle. I, I know that was Wales. I, was say, I thought it was Wales. I was say, annoying. As a German, you can't do a German accent. I that's a shicey. Oh, yeah. Teams are watchable. By the way, his teams play with a verb yeah. that Arsenal haven't had for years. Just to, just to really annoy any Brexiteers listening, which by chance probably a large percent of Arsenal fans are. I don't know, but um, or certainly percent. Half a country to you. I'm loving <laughs> a, a, a few of them. A few of them. Yeah, probably not the London ones, but all them out there in the sticks there. Um, I'm, I'm go- I've got an appointment at the German Embassy on the third of. Uh, January nationality. Yeah, to get the German passport. Yeah, I can keep the dual nationality. <laughs> Are you allowed to do that? I'm allowed to do it. Apparently, I've looked into it. So you can have two passports. I can have two nationalities, maybe just one passport. I have to look, watch yeah. this space. I'll let you know. Yeah. But I think you can. You can have dual nationality. Right. Oh yeah, you can. Yeah, within the EU. So but I think you only have Euro- one passport. We're trying to stay European. I. I'm well, not trying to. I am staying European. How about that? Oh, oh, a, a Brexit look I just got there. I just, does it count? An Englander, so little Englander is looking me in the face. Yeah, but to be a real European, you have to go and live in Europe, otherwise you'll be a bit false, that, won't you? That could be an option. <laughs> if I have your Black Forest Gatto and eating it. Funny enough, did you know that, Europe, that Britain is in Europe? It is. And it will remain in Europe even when it leaves the EU. It will still be part of Europe. So you don't it's not part of America, part. is so it? Need to change your it's not part of Russia, or it's not part of Asia, or it's part of Europe. <laughs> Unless France and Germany get up overnight and give us a bit of a push. Oh, okay, what's your yeah. next question? Right, we're moving on I to the... Uh, at six. We have mentioned it briefly, but we will return here because uh, it's, it's uh, happened in the last month, the Arsenal Annual General Meeting. So yeah. we've heard a little bit about uh, Arsene. Um... I mean, the only one of the panel who was there was Tim, and obviously I was there. Um, what did you take away from it this year? Well, it was much, much calmer. It was the calmest AGM for many years. But interesting that the vote well, on Cronky... Well, yeah, but that's because it's Cronky. <laughs> um, the main reason the AGM was calmer was that Arsenal had been playing some good football and invested most of the available funds in strengthening the squad, albeit after a slightly nerve-wracking summer, but they did get there in the end. But then if you think about what has really infuriated the last couple of AGMs, it's been Stan Kroenke, and in particular he's taking £3 million out of the club mm. with no proper explanation or description of the services provided, which is really poor corporate governance and infuriates sort of old-school AGM attenders as well as perhaps other people who are there. And by not taking that money, and a lot of work was done by the Arsenal Supporters Trust behind the scenes, including some legal challenge and some questioning of whether or not they were following corporate governance rules in how they issued that contract and paid the money, meant that they decided it wasn't worth anymore and, and didn't take the money. Also, the other major campaigning issue of ticket prices, well, the way ticket prices are now in really good shape, you know, £30 lowered to £26 to every game for fans, 
and the home tickets, although I still think they're too high in some instances, they weren't increased this year and there's already a commitment not to increase them for the next two years. So in a way, debate has ended about ticket prices for a couple of years while that policy is in place. So with those two major issues, ticket pricing and the three million dealt with and the team doing better, it was a much smoother AGM, albeit that Stan Kroenke only got back on the board by voting for himself. Because mm. <laughs> when hands went up in the room, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he didn't, he well, didn't muster. There was uh, <laughs> apparently, I mean, I didn't look all around, but apparently on the first vote, the majority of actual hands up were against. Yeah, and they were ready for this yeah. because the chairman had been given his line, <laughs> which was, I'm quite happy to let the room have a card vote, mm. but I would remind you, <laughs> if you have a card vote, I have proxies <laughs> to the value of 97%. Which meant Usmanov. Usmanov, and that's interesting, mm. the, the, for the first time, the Russian owner, Usmanov, voted with the board, and I'm told that he only did this because the £3 million wasn't taken. Right. So oh, they, they, were, they were very furious about that as well. Out of interest, so that three million quid, I presume he pays his tax taxes in America, doesn't he? Is that money? Does HMRC see any of that? Well, or does that one of, one is of, Trump just going to give him the whole three million? One then? of the questions that the AST asked in our legal challenge to the club was what the tax situation of that payment was, because of course, if he was an employee doing that work, you would pay PAYE in it. So having it done as a, under a consultancy arrangement, we wondered whether it was a way of minimising the taxation situation. Mm. It could be there. I also think it, it's a way of taking £3 million out without a third of it going to Usmanov or to small shareholders. And of course the AST, I don't know, because we would have balloted our members on a major decision, because everyone collectively owns in the shares, but certainly I would have advocated that we didn't claim a dividend if it was offered and to put it back into the club so is which it one of the bigger directors to do as well but obviously it would be quite embarrassing for Stan Bronke mm. if we voted not to take the dividend and mm. he took the money mm. is it wired into his account in America or uh, because if it was wired into his English account if he's got it's paid account. to his company it's paid oh. to KSC it's not actually d- personal tax and is that company based in the UK or in America America yeah, I suppose it's, America. it's in Delaware the Delaware or Missouri one or the other so that's it it's gone so yeah three million quid earned and spent for in this country by well, us if any tax is paid on it it's not paid to um, be reinvested in British public services no. is it mm-hmm. no that's the point whereas if it were if he for instance took a salary as a board member providing services he'd pay PAYE on it and nearly half okay. the money would come back into investment. but it's money that we've all earned and are paying into the club and it's all sodding off to Delaware and there once Trump's been in a bit he won't have to pay any tax will he because it'll be tax free America probably um, on this point unless the CIA get in first obviously um <laughs> Mashiri is at Everton now. Mm. Um, there's a, a, a thought that as Everton may or may not grow, Ozhmanov may also decide to join in. And one assumes, uh, I'm assuming he would have to sell his Arsenal shares in that case. Yes. And the natural thing to do, I mean, presumably the only buyer in town for that kind of percentage would be Kroenke. So, or Mike Francis. <laughs> so if that happened, then presumably that would be it for AGMs 
Yes, because I almost certainly what you would then expect Kronke to do is that he does have the legal right to force the other shareholders to sell Which to him. Which he would do. Because it's called a squeeze-out, is actually, that's actually the legal term for it. I am certain that he would do that, mm. and I'm sure that he would like to do that because he'd no longer have people like me and you turning up to asking questions. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so... Um, Uzmanov, in a sense, holds... Uzmanov has for a while. And, yes. you know, it is very important, Arsenal remaining a limited company, because it does give us the report and accounts. It mm. does give us more information about how the club is being run and what it's doing. What? I think it's an important accountability and transparency measure. What's happened to David Dean and... Re- it's re- Red and White Holdings, isn't it? Uzmanov. Well, David... Um, are they still together? No. No. Oh, David okay. departed Red and White Holdings a couple of years after mm. they were formed, when it was quite obvious that they weren't getting any with him. Oh, David. Your friend David. <laughs> so how is David these days? So uh, well, Mr. Think, Dean to me. But anyway, I've seen so, David very recently. No. And actually, is that his, in, I've, I've met in, him myself. He's come a in, jolly <laughs> nice chap. Yes. He's very nice. Yeah, yeah. we have yes. we have an occasional nice chap. Good, he's a good guy. He's um, proper Arsenal anyway. He was very much involved in Mashiri going to Everton. Oh, really? Well, one, he knows... Because Bill Kenwright, yes, he does. who is Everton's old school owner, and a good owner, you know, started on the terraces, in many ways a Dean of Fisman type owner, made a bit of money in theatres and got into Everton. He's very good friends with David Dean, um, go back a long time, and he's been looking for investment in Everton, and David Dean was able to introduce him. Having met Mashiri several times, he's smart. He, he, will, he will be good for Everton. He would, and he, I believe, if the Arsenal board had acted reasonably and let Usmanov have a seat on the board, it would have been Mashiri who actually took up that place and got involved in decisions about strengthening the, the commercial performance of Arsenal, which is actually pretty poor, is m- mid-table at best, and, and so on. Uh, but I, my own information is that Usmanov isn't going anywhere in a hurry. But my question is, what's David Dean doing these days? David Dean is going to prisons. <laughs> and schools. He he's not talk. actually going no, to prison. Not he's not right. no, 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 He does. He goes and talks about his role in the game, and he's. He does quite a lot of going to schools and also going to prisons. He still acts as an ambassador for the Premier League. He's and he still spends an awful lot of time with Arsene Wenger. So he goes to all the major football tournaments, the World Cups, the European Championships. There's three of them who go as good friends. Gerard Houllier. Arsene Wenger and David Dean and a lot of people don't realise that a lot of Arsenal's early success is because Gerard Houllier was in effect our scout for two years mm-hmm. all the early signings Vieira, Omri, Petit were all um, Houllier recommendations to Wenger because Houllier had taken them through Clairefontaine Right. Oh, glad I asked that question. I feel much wiser. No, every day. <laughs> um, just on, on the AGM, why did it take place on the Monday this year? It took place on the Monday because Stan Kroenke was in town for the NFL playing at Twickenham the day before. So he couldn't wait another three days. He's a busy man, <laughs> Kev. He has, he has to get back. Such is the world of global sport now that the first ever, and actually, and we, and we can sort of say, does it really matter? Well, it did matter a little bit because Arsene Wenger was annoyed because he had to change training mm. to be able to attend the AGM. Mm. Now, really, your manager shouldn't attend the AGM, but Arsenal, I think, bring him along because otherwise it really would be a riot, wouldn't it? Everyone, <laughs> everyone's furious and upset and Arsene Wenger speaks and people realise <laughs> that there's a decent, intelligent person in the room. But it did mess up with training and it explains why it's always been a Thursday because that's not a training session in the same way okay. and doesn't interfere with football. But yes, yeah, Stan, Stan Kroenke's schedule... 
Mm. No doubt in 20 years' time, the AGM will be held in Delaware, <laughs> you know, with the Arsenal game having been held in LA or something. God knows where, uh, you know, the globalisation of football is mm-hmm. taking us. Let's hope not. Right, OK. Well, um, I'm going to wrap up with one final brief question, um, which is Arsenal's next match is away at Old Trafford. Oh, come on. And I'm just going to ask you for a score prediction. Uh, As if you were putting money on this. And no Alexis, no Cazorla. Uh, Two so ones of a team that, that... Well, the team managed by the guy that Wenger never beats in a, in a league game. Two-one home win. Sadly. One all, Arsenal won't win. OK. Oh, do I have to? Well, just, you put money on it. Emotions, without emotion. Okay, I'll try, I don't do without emotions, but I'll try on this occasion. Uh, 2-1 to Arsenal. Okay. Well, that's just, someone's got to be the optimist here. (laughs) Absolutely. Right, okay. Well, I've uh, managed to mislay my... I don't think uh, Man U are that great this season. My sheet with my... Of course, they'll raise their game for us, and... Mourinho, uh, Mourinho does have a knack, doesn't he? So it's clear now, it wasn't Chelsea that was beating us all those years, it was Mourinho. I'll let improv, David. Uh, that, is, um, that is it, just to um, say about the next issue of the Guna, that will be coming out for the home game against Paris Saint-Germain. We are in the early stages of preparation, so I won't tell you what's in it yet, except all the regulars and also a, uh, a piece on Mel... Uh, Mel Charles, is that right? The brother oh. of John Charles. So uh, he played for Arsenal. Well, late, late fifth, yes. Any was. relation to Charles? Charlie Charles. Uh, <laughs> we're not going into <laughs> Harry Enfield territory here. Um, so anyway, that will be. But on I do sale. wish we'd come out with a markedly different approach to the game. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Sometimes. Um, uh, the, the current issue can still be bought online, uh, or even at Old Trafford if you can spot Alex, our legendary away seller. Um, apart from that uh, the usual uh, contact details if you wish to uh, tweet us we're at Guna Podcast or if you want to send us an email it's gunapodcast at gmail.com with that uh, it is goodbye from the panel first of all Mustafa goodbye Tim goodbye and David goodbye we will be back in December this is your host Kevin Witcher saying thank you for listening and on that note good night la di da di da la di da di Oh, good friends and jolly good company. Well, hey!